Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. I'm John Norman, alongside me today, former England superstar Steve Harmison, a two-times Ashes winner, ranked number one bowler in the world, but never captaincy material. Because if some are to be believed, bowlers don't make good captains. So why not? We're going to be discussing the art of captaincy, the under-representation of ethnic minorities in our professional game, and whether some counties are secretly hoping that no cricket will be played this summer. We will be joined by former England captain, yep, former England captain, Mark Butcher, Sussex captain, Ben Brown, and also David Smith from the Institute of Cricket. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Stokes in again, steaming. It's been taken, Stokes has done it again! Just when England needed a hero, they found one! I think if Ben was to captain, he'd be fantastic. He gets the best out of the players around him and he gives the whole team a lift. So I think that's a great quality to have as, as a leader um, and something that he could definitely take into captaincy if he was to get the opportunity to do it. Down the wicket comes Stokes and he's gone high and long and straight and all the way, this time for six. My only problem I've got with Ben Stokes doing it at this moment in time is he bats, he bowls and he stands at slip. You add the captaincy to that, it's enormous pressure at this moment in time while he remains one of the best players in the world. There'll be the argument, wouldn't there, where say all-rounders don't make good captains. You know, we've tried it before, look at that flint off, look at both of them. He's given some air and Stokes again has gone slog sweep for six. What a shot! I'm sure that Ben will be thinking, I would love a go at that, I'd love to chance to captain England. It's a difficult place to me and I struggled with it. I absolutely hated it and I was rubbish. Third one inside the power play and he's in, he's bowled and he's hit for six over long on! What a shot! From Josh Butler. Do I think I want to see Ben Stokes change from who he is and the current player that he is? Probably not. Josh Butler would be my guy. 
So, Harmy, how are we, mates? Uh, very well, John. Uh, yeah, very well. Looking forward to, you know, as we sit, looking forward to the football starting, but also looking forward to the cricket starting as well. And then, like everybody else, intrigued to see how it's going to happen behind closed doors. Yeah, I made it back to the UK in one piece. Me and the family travelling back from New Zealand where there is no coronavirus. Well, until those two English yeah. people turned up in the last 24 hours and reinfected the country. But I tell you what, as I look out my window here in South London up to the skies, I mean, this is cricket weather. Whoa, it's 23, 24 degrees. You know, we should be two or three months already into the uh, campaign, the county campaign. I mean, the international cricket should have started. But big debate this week uh, surrounding the captaincy. Of England, uh, Joe Root, of course, is going to be uh, stepping aside for a test match um, to attend the birth of his second child. I mean, that in itself is an area that has changed greatly since the days that you were playing. I mean, well, can you remember actually the time when it, it started to become more normal that players would step away from playing for England to uh, to be there for the birth of their children? I don't, I don't suppose you were. That happened to you when you were playing? No, it didn't. Um, I'm sort of talking about it, and she even. To be fair, she even bribes me about it even now. Whenever Abby, you know, my 18, well, 17-year-old daughter, she uh, she turns 18 in December, and whenever she uh, she wants to get a few quid out of dad, she'll uh, put the puppy dog eyes out, hand out, and she'll go, Dad, just remember you weren't there when I was born, and I wasn't. Uh, she was about nearly three and a half months before I seen her for the first time. She was born December 4th and I didn't come home from Australia until February the 1st. So it was it was hard work. It was gut-wrenching and it was it was a difficult time for for me. But I think on that trip, you mentioned the 2002-03 Ashes trip, was probably the first time I can remember where people made provisions for it. And what I mean by that is we went to Australia without Nasser Hussain. As cap- he was our captain, but he went two weeks early, I think, because he was gonna, his wife was gonna have the birth of their child out in Australia, so he could be there um, as the, the tour came about. And I think, I think that, I think his son was born around about December time. So uh, people make you know, little um, provisions to try and get induced dates, all that that comes with it. I know Andrew Strauss and Andrew Flintoff talk about being, you know, wanting to be there for the birth of their child, and and, and I agree with that to be fair because. You know, you're yourself, John, you're a father. There's nothing, there's, to see your child come out into this world is, is, a, is a fantastic experience for the dad. It's not very pleasant for mum at the time, but what a wonderful thing it is. So for me, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't mind it. And if he has, Joe has to miss the game, I don't, I, I, I don't begrudge him one bit. Where the captaincy goes, for me, it's a simple one. Ben Stokes, one game, all day long. If it was for a whole series... I, I would, I wouldn't have the same opinion, but for one game, I think Ben Stokes can do it. Joe Root just comes straight back in when, uh, when the time's right, and he, he gets the all clear from the medics that he can join the group again. So I don't have a problem with that. Uh, there's been uh, quite a lot of debate about who should take the captaincy for the one-off Test match. I mean, we have had this situation in the past, haven't we? I mean, our recent teammate and tour mate Mark Butcher was given the captaincy for a test match, a one-off test match after Nasser Hussain was injured back in 1999. You know, there's been a few names banded about. Um, Ben Stokes, as vice-captain, will be given the armband, there's no doubt about that, but Goffey's certainly feeling that, okay for a one-off test possibly, but um, it's just asking too much of the player. Yeah, I think think it is asking too much of Ben if you're looking at a whole series 
Um, but I think as a as a one-off, I think Ben can make the right decisions and be comfortable that he can get through the five days and not affecting his bat batting performance, especially more than anything else. His bowling performance. We're in England. Broad and Anderson, if they're both playing, are going to bowl a high volume of overs. So there's not as much onus. So there's more onus on Ben Stokes bowling away from home when the pitches are a little bit flatter than there is playing at home and the ball's maybe swinging a little bit. You're going to see a lot of probably a lot of Broad and Anderson. And mentioning the two older guard, they're going to be there on hand for him. They're going to be able to. There's going to be people like Broad and Anderson who will tell him, you know, and talk to him and. Uh, help him through what will be a, a magnificent five days and a great feeling to be captain of England. Um, so for me, I'm, 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 I'm in the Stokes camp. If it was a longer term one, I'm not sure where I go, to be honest, John. I really don't. You look at Josh Butler and think, well, does he, is he still playing for his place? And would the captaincy help hinder um, looking over his, I don't think Josh is really looking over his shoulder at, at yet because I think the management team, you know, they love him that much. Rory Burns, yeah, he's not even in the team because he's he, he was in, he was injured and Crawley and Sibley did well. So yeah, does he come back in and would he take the reins if it was a longer a longer decision? Um, all these you know, things go into the melting pot, but for me, it's just a one-off game, and I'm uh, and I'm punting with Stokes being being fine for the job. Let's hear what uh, Darren Goff had to say with Adrian Durham on the Drive Time Show. They just think it's a difficult situation, as I've just said. One of the things, when you're out in the field and you are bowling, um, it's very hard to remain focused on the captaincy. And if they're saying that about a bowler who never gets considered, how must it be for someone who stands at first slip, or second slip, third slip, wherever he stands, Ben, such an influential figure in the field? Uh, we've seen some of the great catches, especially in the World Cup he's made. And then he bowls, and then he bats, and then captaincy on top. If a bowler's not considered, because he might have to bowl a few overs, Ben Stokes is doing all three. So it is a strange one. It's just, but they look at bowlers, and they the, the probably think, fast bowlers especially, and they look at the record of captaincy, guys who have captained as opening bowlers, and it's not really worked. Whether it be Flintoff, I know he was an all-rounder, whether it be Botham, whether it be Bob Willis, it's not really worked, has it, for England when bowlers have been the captain? The best captains have been your Strauss, your Vaughans, your Brealies, um, uh, and people like that. Nasser is saying they're all being batsmen. It's interesting, though. I, I, I think if it is just one test this summer, Stokes to do Stokes to do it if it's a Well, that, that's what makes me think maybe that Jimmy Anderson should be given the nod because after all these years and all these tests and all these wickets, and he has held his hand up and say, "Well, I'm a bit disappointed. I wanted to be England captain. If it's just one test, why not go with Jimmy Anderson? Mm. And then in the future, Ben Stokes Possibly. might have it on a longer term." Yeah, I, I, I just think they're going to think long term as well uh, in this. Uh, to give it him for one test, um, I'm, I'm not so sure Jimmy will be the right choice. He's 37 now for one test. One test is the one to do it just purely say, let's, let's give Jimmy it because everything is given uh, the game of cricket in England. To give him it now, I think it's just a bit of a, you know what I mean? He, he's wanted it in the past and never even been asked to do it. One off, I got it if they want to just, like it's an extra pat on the back for Jimmy Anderson. But they're going to look to the future. They're going to look to the future. We gave it um, Mark Butcher uh, for a mm. one-off test at, at Edenley. I played in the game. I think it was Edenley. Um, or Old I can't remember exactly where it was. But Butch came in and captained and did a good job. You know what I mean? Mark Butcher would have been a good captain for England. Never got the opportunity to do it full-time. Uh, but he got it as a one-off. Um, it'd be interesting to see where they go. 
So there's Goffey and Adrian Durham, drive time show between four and seven on Talk Sport. Of course, uh, loads of points brought up there. First off, though, Jimmy Anderson. Um, would it just be a tokenist gesture to give him the captaincy? Should he have been given the captaincy in the past? Is he that kind of uh, personality? Do you feel that he's right to feel hard done by, never to have been uh, given the captaincy in his long career for England? Uh, possibly. Uh, there is there is a point there. Possibly there is. He, he could have done it. I don't think there would have been an issue if Jimmy had to do it. Jimmy's very, very good tactically. Just see the way Jimmy Anderson bowls. You can see how good tactically he is. He's tactically aware where his field is, the way he bowls the right ball at the right time, when it's swinging and it's seaming. Um, so I think Jimmy could do the job, but I think Goffey's right. I think bowlers, it is harder for bowlers to concentrate on whether it's your time to bowl, whether it's the right time to take yourself off, whether it was the right time to put yourself on. I was around Andrew Flintoff a lot when he was captain and he felt as though he just was invincible. He could do do anything. You look at the great late Bob Willis. You know, he captained England for a long, long time and you listen to Serene Botham and, and people that played under Bob and they said Bob was a brilliant captain. You know, but Bob was a little bit of an anomaly because most fast bowlers have not got many brain cells, but Bob was actually quite an intelligent man. So, you know, I can understand why Goffey didn't think he'd be a very good captain. Um, so when you look at it all that, I just think it's it's a lot easier for captains to stand in the field and manoeuvre the way the bowl and manoeuvre the field, change the bowler at will and not have emotion in it. I think when the bowler is captain, there's there's sometimes a lot of raw emotion that goes with it. So I wasn't, I only captained a, a few times um, and I enjoyed the job, but I'm not sure I'd have wanted to do it for longer periods because I think I would have getting caught up into, well, now I'm bowling and I'd end up bowling all day. So um, I, I quite like uh, a batter who is solid with his emotion, not too up, not too down, and somebody who has cemented his place in the team. That, unfortunately, is the only man is Joe Root. Everybody else, I think, are looking over the shoulder in the batting department for their players. You're listening to The Cricket Collective with myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison alongside me. Still to come on the show, we'll be speaking to the Sussex captain, wicketkeeper Ben Brown, as well as uh, Mark Butcher and uh, David Smith from the Institute of Cricket. You're listening to The Cricket Collective with the Institute of Cricket. Third one inside the power play and he's in. He's bowled and he's hit for six over long on. What a shot. From Joss Butler. Here is uh, Shamsi once again. Down the wicket, six runs. Oh, yes, please. Three men in front of square on the offside and uh, roll, oh, ramp oh, shot. Oh, oh. Beautiful from Joss Butler. Outrageous. Fourth ball of the innings. Come on, Joss Butler. What? You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Myself, John Norman, and alongside me, double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Um, first section of the show, we're talking about captaincy. Uh, Darren Goff of the opinion we heard from uh, from him that uh, bowlers don't make the best captains because, of course, it's better to have someone a little bit distant from the action. And you mentioned Freddie Flintoff before the break, Harmy. I was out in 06, 07 in Australia watching you and uh, you and Freddie. And, you know, at times it seemed to me that Freddie's captaincy came down to just thinking, right, if you lot can't do it, I'm going to do it. And it, he kind of bowled himself into the ground after a while. But do you think, though, that's... Um, something that Ben Stokes, if given the captaincy long-term, do you think he'd fall into that trap as well, being that kind of character himself? Yeah, I think long-term, I think he possibly would, especially if you're talking about long-term with Stokes. 
you're, then you're, then you're taking Braun and Anderson out of the equation because long term, the probably the longevity of being around, I don't think they'll be around then. And I think Braun and Anderson are huge keys towards this because they can, they've got the the kudos and the the, you know, the games behind them and the stature in the dressing room to say, hold on, Ben, you know, do this or you you should, what do you think about doing that and have the. Um, oh, I think they have the reputation that goes with it to, to be able to stay honestly, Ben, I think you're making a mistake here. And that would be doing far too much. Um, Freddie, during the 2006-07 series, he openly admitted uh, in public the other week, we did a podcast with, with Rob Key the other week, and he, and he said he literally didn't know what else to do, what next to do. And it wasn't for anything other than his team weren't great. I let him down. Matthew Hoggard was probably the only one from a bowling department that stood up. Uh, we weren't we weren't playing very well. There was a lot of in-house little groups going off left, right, and centre, and and Freddie got Freddie got left high and dry a little bit from from his, his senior players standing up, and I was the biggest one. I was his best man. I was the biggest one that didn't perform during that series. But it was it was before I think it was just before that when Freddie captained it. it um, did he captain against Schlank? He captained against somebody. He bowled 52 overs, I think it was Schlank. I wasn't playing in the game. But he said, and during that podcast, he said there was just dropping catches left, right and centre. And he ended up bowling 52 overs. And exactly what you've just said there, they were the words he used. Well, if you're not going to catch him and you can't do it, I'm going to do it. And that nearly ended his career with his knee. 50-odd overs in one innings at, at Lords. And I think Ben could potentially get into that mindset. So... That's why I wouldn't like him to do it long-term. Short-term, don't have a problem, one-off. This is what I've been saying all winter, John, and you've been sitting next to me. This is why we need Joss Butler to stand up and really cement his place in the test team because if he does, he would be a, a good foil and, and if anything goes wrong with Joe Root, he'd be the natural successor to be captain. But at this minute in time, I'm just reluctant with Joss that he doesn't warrant a fully-term place in the side to be given the captaincy. Well, if he was to be given the captaincy, be a wicketkeeper um, captain, of course. The last England wicketkeeper captain was uh, my favourite player growing up, Alex Stewart. Um, and it's a position <clears throat> that does lend itself to captaincy. I'm pleased to say that uh, a man who knows exactly about that is the Sussex uh, wicketkeeper captain, Ben Brown, who joins us now. Uh, ben, thanks for joining us on the Cricket Collective uh, with myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison alongside me. First up, though... Um, where are you, where's your head at? Uh, some stories in and around the county scene that we might be getting a little bit of county cricket uh, at the start of August if everything continues to go well. Yeah, I'm really hoping to get some cricket in. I think it's given everyone a bit of a lift to, to maybe have that target um, in August. If not August, then hopefully September, I think, is the, is the feel out there at the moment. So, yeah, certainly giving everyone a lift. Um, there's only so many home workouts you can do with no uh, end target in sight. So, yeah, I think everyone around the county traps is a, is a little bit happier. Yeah, I mean, this weather must be driving everyone to distraction as well, especially the batsmen, uh, I imagine. Um, the, the, the conversation that we're having today on the show is about captaincy uh, in, in large. Uh, Joe Root stepping away from a test match. Ben Stokes uh, coming in to captain one test match um, because of uh, Root's attending the birth of his child. I mean, as a, as a captain yourself and as someone who's who's grown up in the game, um, do you feel that there's a certain type of cricketer that lends itself to captaincy in terms of the position they play, i.e. wicketkeepers or batsmen? Um, 
or have you played or played under a variety of different uh, styles of captain and and you feel you'd be quite happy to do so if one was a one was a bowler as well yeah i actually haven't i haven't played under a bowling captain um but i can have always been battered um myself as a wicketkeeper um i wouldn't have a problem with it i think there's there's probably two elements to captaincy i think You've got the leadership side of it, and I think um, you probably need to be seen as a leader before you get captaincy. I think that's a really important factor. Um, I've, you know, seen if you if you just go into it and then try to become a captain on the job, as it were, I think you often find your teammates don't respond to that. So I think it's the most important thing is that someone's seen as a leader before they actually take that official leadership role. I think that's really important, probably more so than position. Um, and the second element is can you actually do your job normally? You've been made captain because you're, you're performing well on the side, and you're an important member of the side. So I think that's the the key thing: can you hold, you know, hold your job and hold the standards that you had before as captain? If not, you know, improve. And I think those two elements are really key, rather than the position. I think. And Ben, I think the the, the the key as well, especially in the county setup, is is the relationship with your coach, the coach of of Sussex. Um, or, to, to work with somebody like Jason Gillespie, who's quite calm and, and, and calculated and collective. That's huge in the county scene because it is a very emotional game on the field, but also off the field with the travelling and the amount of cricket you play. Yeah, definitely, mate. And you know what it's like. I think that, that the travel, train, play routine of county cricket is so busy and so hectic. I think, you know, I'm hugely lucky. I've got Dizzy, who he manages the guys so well off the field. Um, I think he's paid more attention to the players that don't play than any coach I've seen. You know, I think he's really keeps a, uh, you know, a broad mind like that, which helps me as captain, but you know, the players largely can go to him and be managed. I think you do hear stories of, of it almost being the other way around captains having to try and manage the coach's emotions and that really doesn't work. So yeah, in a hectic um, business like county cricket, if you've got a coach as calm as, as busy, you've got every chance of, of doing a decent job. And yeah, I'll, I'll vouch for that because I played for Dizzy, and he's he's brilliant. He's a he's a top man, and somebody I think for a, a county captain would be fantastic just to to bounce ideas off and the the talk about potential coming back and what you're going to have coming back. Maybe it's just five championship games. Do you think? Do you think going forward? Um, and you can relate this to captaincy as well. Do you think going forward playing less cricket would help the hunger for, for players that you captain or in and around to make the, the county game a lot better? Get off that treadmill of player train, player travel, player whatever the, whatever you're going through. Yeah, definitely. I think it's always a debate, and I think the summers are always hard. Like trying to keep keep everybody motivated and everybody feeling fresh every day is a huge challenge, and it's a huge challenge to keep yourself that manner. I think. That's probably the hardest part i found about captaincy is it, it's just relentless. It's every day. Um, even on days off, obviously, you've then got to manage people that might be left out the side that want to chat, etc. And I think coaches, players, captains feel that massively. Um, and yeah, I, I saw KP tweeted something about you know people perhaps getting a year off might actually um, extend people's careers. And you know, I hope I hope that's the case for guys. You know, particularly later in their careers, the, the guys that maybe late thirties or whatever. There's no reason why this break can't extend them for another couple of years because, as you say, county cricket can become, you know, absolutely relentless at times. And hopefully the, the break has freshened everybody up. I know, you know, speaking for most people, they're really, really hungry to get cricket at the end of the season and, and can't wait to get back on the pitch. Is there some nervousness as well? Um, because, of course, as captain, Ben, you know, one of the things that you'll no doubt be talking to is players who are up, whose contracts are up at the end of this summer and if they don't get a chance to play cricket they're not going to get a chance to stake their claim to get a renewed contract are they 
Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, you know, a few camps out there. and There's nervousness about health, obviously. Um, but like you say, the, uh, the people I feel for the most are the guys out of contract. I think it's a really tough time to be out of contract. I think to have a, a season completely wiped out and then be left vulnerable is really, really tough. So, I, you know, I hope that we do everything we can to, to play. You know, I always think in cricket, opportunities, everything <clears throat> in professional sport, once you've got an opportunity to get on the pitch, you've got some, you've got a chance to do something special. And I hope that the guys that are in there last year particularly get an opportunity to stake a claim because there is some anxiety about, like anybody in any job in the real world at the moment, you know, there's anxiety around cricket, and particularly in the last year of the contract. It's, it's not a good year to be in that position. Uh, one other question about the captaincy. I mean, Joss Butler is a name that's been, uh, been mentioned as a potential captain, possibly not in the test arena, um, because uh, his form hasn't quite hit the heights that we would have liked to have seen. But from your perspective, what benefits do you think being a wicketkeeper brings to your captaincy? Yeah, there's certainly um, some, some good good uh, benefits to it. I think you're, you're obviously right in line with the ball. You can see what it's doing. I've also found you generally get a sense when a bowler's coming towards the end of the spell, um, the way it's hitting the gloves, the way it's coming through. And often bowlers don't recognise that themselves and I'm lucky at Sussex I've got great professionals um, who bowl who bowl for us and they're often not wanting the ball to be taken out of the hand I think as a keeper you know you know how it's coming through and you can just maybe um, stop that spell before it's that one or two overs too many that hurts you at the back end of the day so I think the viewpoint you've got um, of the game certainly helps you um, with your relationship with the bowlers and things like that there's, there's, there's downsides too you know I think the concentration element um, is something that has to be learned as a keeper captain. Um, when I first came into it, I felt that towards the end of spells, your, your mind starts to spin about who's going to come next, which end, all those kind of things. And that can actually affect your glove work. I looked at, you know, when I made more mistakes than usual when I first captaining, and it, it tended to be at the end of those spells of bowlers where, yeah, the mind just starts to wander elsewhere. So it is a balancing act, and it's definitely something I think you, you can learn as a weak keeper and, and becomes a lot more natural once you've done it. For a period of time, you start to, to learn when you can actually manage yourself and just focus purely on your glove work and when actually you can then manage it. Manage it. You know, I've had to be quite strict with a slipcord and, you know, with no suggestions as guys are running in, which they mean well and they mean it with the best intentions. But sometimes that can that can really disturb you as a wicketkeeper. You need to be on your game just as much as the bats or bowlers are. Brilliant stuff. Ben, I really appreciate you joining us on the show this week. Uh, absolutely fascinating uh, insight into what it's like to be a captain and wicketkeeper. Um, and good luck with the season as well. Let's just hope that we get to see a little bit of cricket in a, a month's, uh, month or so's time. Uh, that's Ben Brown, Sussex captain. You're listening to Cricket Collective with me, John Norman, and alongside me as ever, Steve Hart. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Over the top and to the grip. One bounce and four. Brilliant batting from Butcher. Seems to be using a remarkably wide bat today, Mark Butcher. Oh, that is a rampant stroke. That is a man seeing it as big as a football. 150 for Mark Butcher. This is a supreme performance. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. Myself, John Norman, and alongside me, Steve Harmison. Pleased to say uh, that Mark Butcher, former Surrey uh, and England batsman, joining us. Talking about captaincy, Butch, and as someone who grew up with uh, um, and played alongside a man with captaincy material written all over him, Alex Stewart, and then another guy that maybe didn't have captaincy material written all over him, in Graham Thorpe. Um, whereabouts would you have put yourself in there, in that little... Uh, in that little team growing up, of course, you did actually captain England once, didn't you? I did. I captain England once, yeah, and, and captain Surrey on on many occasions before I was before I was actually given the the job uh, of club captain for the last sort of five years of my career, I suppose. Um, I mean, look, I, I always in in any game of cricket that I played in, and that and this goes back to being sort of seven, eight years old. I, I captained it in my mind. It was kind of it was part of part of my DNA was to kind of be as involved in the uh, in the process and the decision making as I was in in terms of looking after my own my own game it's just kind of how I how fascinated I was with the game um from a from an early age so it never it never occurred to me that I wouldn't at some point catch in teams um you know when it came to to the to the main job of, of catching in England I played under some I played under some fabulous guys um you mentioned Alec there uh you know his his Win in that uh, in that five match series against South Africa was, I suppose, the the, the zenith of his time as a captain for England. Um, Athers before him, who kind of who was pretty world weary by the time I, I came into the side in '97. Um, Nasser, who then you know Harmy Harmy will remember Nasser as a captain, um, and I think I think he will say 
that um, even though he was a bit of a miserable and, and tough <laughs> so and so, um, that he that he kind of he was what England needed at the time, and yeah. he got England into a position whereby um, we were we were hard to beat. We became we became a team that that would would dish out beatings on a regular basis, um, and then it was ready for him to hand it over to somebody who would allow the players to to sort of to to, for, to forge their own path, i.e. the way that Michael Vaughan um, then took over from him. So, you know, the, the, the characters that make up an England captain are, are very interesting. Um, um, talking personally, I, I don't think I could ever have done the job because my my, my my sort of life outside of cricket wasn't really wasn't really conducive to uh, to being captain of England and all of the stuff that you have to uh, you have to go to go uh, to, that goes with uh, captaining the team on the field. Yeah, you and me both, Butch, on that front. Um, <laughs> that, the, 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 the phrase, the art of captaincy, uh, is used quite a bit when you're talking about you know, good leaders. In, it's, not a, it's not a sort of one-fits-all, is it, really? It's all about different ways. And talking about Ben Stokes potentially captaining this week, uh, the, 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 the first or second test match um, when Joe Root comes out. But the, d- different people do it in a different way, but also different... F- feeling different field positions you talked about nasa there nasa would be at mid on and mid off with someone like myself and hoggard shouting and telling them arguably what to do but yeah, he would be every ball, ball. ball yeah in, in different places for someone like Caddick in golf uh vaughan for me one of the reasons why vaughan was a very very good captain is he had to feel mid on and mid off because he couldn't he had the worst pair of hands in the world he couldn't catch anything so he's always talking to his bowlers but different mm-hmm. ways there's this there's different ways and you you mentioned two there you you said it sorry you mentioned sort of alex stewart and uh, sorry john you mentioned alex stewart and graham thorpe but you throw adam holyoke into that you would never have thought Adam Holyoke is this great leader. And I put everything down to captaincy as somebody who is a very good man-manager who understands the situation and the people that he's around. And I think that, for me, Butch, is probably the the best thing you could describe, the art of captaincy. Yeah, I, I, I go along with that. I mean, Adam was brilliant. I mean, his his great strength was his strength in the, number one. You know, he, was, he could be a terrifying individual if he wanted to be, mm. but he but he was he was unbelievably good at bringing everybody on side um, by by canvassing people's opinions, by making people feel as though they had um, a currency in in what the team was doing and where and the direction that you were going in. And in and, and in and in doing so, it wasn't he didn't just stand there and bellow and bark at people to tell them what to do. In doing so, he made the entire team feel as though it was in charge of its own destiny. And therefore, you had eleven people who were all invested in the decisions that were made. And uh, you know, and if and if it came when it came down to it, of course, he would have the casting vote. But what it meant was that, you, that everybody was kind of on board pretty much all of the time. Um, you know, and then that's and that's a that's a real skill to have is to be is to be confident enough in yourself to allow um, you know to to kind of allow people to to make their own calls from time to time. Um, and he was very very good at that. Uh, you know, I, one of the interesting things I suppose is, is you know people have been talking about Ben Stokes taking over from Joe um, uh, when Joe disappears. I mean, this is we, we're talking about sort of one Test match, maybe two Test matches. This is not the same scenario as it was when Freddie took over from from Michael Vaughan in Australia, where it's an Ashes series. He's going to be captain for the whole thing. I mean, I, I, at the time in my sort of fledgling punditry career. I said that that was just utter lunacy. I mean, you you were on the trip, Steve. But the reason the reason I thought it was ridiculous was because Freddie didn't need to be the captain of the team to be a huge influence on that team. 
you know, his his influence was by by deed, by his sort of you know by his his imposing presence on the opposition, all of those other things. He did not need to have all of the other um, weight on him that, that goes along with the captaincy in order to be hugely influential in that side in 2006-7. And of course, what happened was that the, the extra weight of the, the decision-making, doing the interviews, doing all the other stuff that captains have to do outside of the field, diminished um, the, the imposing presence that he had on the field. Um, and so England, you know, you lost, you lost two for the price of one by making him captain on that trip, when the simplest and most straightforward thing to have done was, was to have given it to somebody like Andrew Strauss. I mean, he was in the team, terrific player, born leader, um, and, and that was and that was a huge mistake, and I and I would hate to see the same thing happen with Ben. But because it's only going to be for a one-off Test match, it's probably not that much of an issue. But I would still say that Ben Stokes' influence as a player on the field, um, his presence in the dressing room and stuff, is worth five times more than it is as, as him being captain of the team as well. Can't add uh, too much to that, Butch. Um, but uh, yeah, but me and. Uh, Harmy, we're talking about uh, Freddie and the, the captaincy role uh, before the break, and uh, I think we're all in complete agreement on that front. There's been um, there's been a few other stories this week, isn't there? Vikram Solanke becoming uh, the new Surrey coach uh, and the first British Asian um, to become a full time head coach. How is it that it's taken this long for a British Asian cricketer? To uh, to become a head coach of a, of a county, especially when you consider, you know, just how linked um, the, the sport is with uh, with that with that uh, ethnic uh, minority, and and of course that part of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's great, it's terrific news, isn't it? I mean, it, mm, obviously, it's brilliant time, news. Timing timing is everything with uh, with, with these things, and I'm, and I'm pretty certain that that the decision um, would have been made. To give uh, Vikram Solanke the job, had we not been, uh, you know, protesting and uh, and championing causes like Black Lives Matter, you know, Alex Stewart doesn't make decisions like that based on based on the way the uh, on the on the on the way the headlines are going. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, the, the interesting thing, I suppose, is is not that it's taken this long, but that somebody like Vikram Solanke fits into fits into that role, and then no, nobody really raises an eyebrow, of course. You know, he's been he's been around. He's done his he's done his time as a as a as a coach um, in supporting roles, in assistant roles. He's widely respected as a player. He's very very widely respected as a as a as a man. Um, and therefore, you know, he was in he was exactly the right place at the right time. I think Alec has been kind of grooming him along this path anyway. Um, and and there you have it. And and you know, hopefully. Hopefully, I mean he's not a standard bearer. I wouldn't put it that way. But hopefully, what it what it means is people people just don't think of it as being something extraordinary. It shouldn't be something that we're even mentioning, really. Vikram Solanke is captain of Surrey. Where does he come from? Doesn't matter. People will look, you know, hopefully seeing somebody um, from his background in a position like that means it becomes normal, and and we see more more and more of it. Um, you know, the the whole issue with with black players. I mean, just reading Mark Elaine. Won two trophies in what four years or something as, as head coach at Gloucestershire. Hasn't had another interview since as, a, as being a head coach for a county. Um, you know that that in itself uh, tells you the trend. The trend towards sort of more Asian players of Asian background in the in the county game game has been on the on the way up for the last twenty years. Whereas the uh, the converse is true with players of Caribbean extraction. So you know there there are all kinds of um, there are all kinds of curves and graphs 
involved in this in this discussion at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you, Butch. There and on Vic, and uh, I, like I said, John, he's Vic Rams. Actually, when I, I thought, oh, I, I wonder how Vic goes as a coach because he's he's the, he's one of the nicest human beings on this planet. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've and I grew up with Vic. I played, you know, I went on air tours with Vic Ram, and I don't even think I've ever seen Vic Ram have a cross word with himself, never mind with <laughs> with any of his opponents or or anything else. So I was intrigued to see how that goes. But I I agree with Butch. I don't think this is a flagship. I think this was coming from this has been coming from an 18 months out that if Divinito does go then Vikram comes in and the, he's worked with the PC year as I think his chairman has mm-hmm. shows how much respect he's got from from all his players and we all we all wish him well and I and I do hope that Vic does does go on to, to bigger and better things and there's not many bigger jobs than what than what Surrey is so that I'm talking about international as well on that but Butch you're talking about there's talk a lot of talking uh in the uh, in the press potentially of a, a shorter format of first class cricket that's coming August September, mm-hmm. and you played in a time before me where it was even more first class cricket played and the the treadmill of just player travel player travel you know all that that came. There's yeah. talk about just having five championship games this year, three groups of six. Do you think? Do you think after? You know, we come out of this pandemic and we look at maybe two years, three years down the line. This could actually bet this could be one thing that benefits first class cricket in the long term. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, God rest his soul, Bob Willis had, had sort of written reports, very, very detailed reports of how he would structure um, first class and county cricket. Um, and this is before the days of T20. So there was kind of, you know, there, there wasn't that other, that other beast, um, you know, in the mix at the time. Um, and, and he and he wrote something very similar in terms of you know three three groups of six you play home and away um, in those groups you then you know in, in terms of bringing down the volume um, of uh, of matches played um, and so yeah I mean it's going to be an, an interesting experiment I mean I, I believe at the moment that there are, there are potentially issues around sort of you know putting people in hotels and. You know what happens if if there's a there's an outbreak, etc., and, and four day matches. I mean, at the moment, I you know what I would I would do if it was if it was down to me, I would say look, we're not going to play anything. We're not going to play anything longer than a 50 over, 50 over matches here. Um, keep the keep the groups local. I'd add, you know, keep the keep the the teams as close as possible to limit travel and limit expenditure. Make it so that potentially team people can travel from home where where possible. Um, and um, you know, play a play a, a group stage to to knock out stage 50 over tournament plus your T20 in a similar a similar sort of vein. Um, and if there is to be any four day cricket at all, I would say sort of you know bring out your bring out your very closest derbies. Have have Surrey play Middlesex home and away um, potentially, but name it after a, a prominent former player, some sort of some sort of trophy. Um, and, and, and play these four-day matches as sort of almost one-off exhibition, exhibition matches, um, and you know just sort of say to ourselves, look, there's no, there is no championship this year. There will not be a winner. There's no relegation promotion. Um, hopefully, we start start again next year when uh, when things are, are more back to normal. Um, because the, the complications of trying to complete any type of long long-form competition in that short space of time. Are just uh, they're madness, you know. You're kind of you're so, you're hostage to fortune in such a way that it's probably not worth starting. 
Uh, Butch, uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll let you get back to uh, whatever it is that you've been uh, doing for the last couple of months. I imagine you've you've rattled off three or four new albums, haven't you, in the time that you've had to uh, to sit back? It's a brilliant song, <laughs> that Butch, by the way, the latest one. Fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, there's been a, there's been a little bit of, sort of remote recording, sort of ping ponging tracks. Uh, over the over the internet and uh, recording in the recording in the cabin at the end of the garden, um, so yeah, there, there, there's there's been a little bit of creativity going on because that's that's pretty much all pretty much all there is. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, uh, well, we'll play a little bit of the new single out, um, uh, but uh, still to come on the show, we're going to be chatting to David Smith from the Institute of Cricket. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, John Norman, and Double Ashes winning fast bowler Steve Harmison. It's time for Breaking the Boundaries with the Institute of Cricket. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. I'm pleased to say David Smith from the Institute of Cricket is with us. Uh, David, there was some developments this week in regard to uh, the return of recreational cricket. What do you know? Hi, guys. Yeah, nice to uh, nice to be back on the show. Thanks for having me again. Uh, yeah, obviously, it was a, a roadmap that was released by the ECB, uh, looking at the steps of how we sort of return to, I suppose, normal cricket. Uh, we're currently in step three of a five-step process which involves small groups of sort of a coaching ratio of one to five or a small group session of six people per net. And the next step into, into, into this program is step four, which talks about adapted gameplay. And I suppose at the moment, nobody really knows how adapted gameplay will, will look, whether that will be 100 balls or whether that will be six-a-side, eight-a-side competitions. I think from a junior playing perspective, it's going to be much easier to get back into playing that format but I think for senior cricketers it, it, uh, it might be a bit more of a challenge so but yeah no I think certainly a positive a positive step from the ECB to release the roadmap and I'm led to believe that we will get some further information on some adaptive games and a, maybe a further announcement today. David, we're talking about you know the, the steps and you know one to one to five. We're at, we we are at three. You know, how close do you think we are from being four? Because we're getting to a point there now. Especially, I'm talking about from Ashington Cricket Club, where I'm president at, where you know the the man in the street just wants to be back at the the cricket club. You see the the lovely weather. How close yeah. do you think we are from actually game play? Basically saying right, we can go out there and play. And I'm talking about seniors because I, I I agree. I think juniors are. Uh, a lot easier to to get back playing. The the step five the step the step five of the roadmap involved normal cricket returning and the no social distancing measures being in place. Which personally I can't see that taking place this summer. I don't think there'll be any structured league cricket for seniors this summer. I think that you know the ECB could turn around and the, the Premier League could sort of turn around and say, look, you know we're we're sort of not going to create any, any league structure, but please go ahead and organise your own friendlies. Because in my opinion, you know, the, the situation in this country is, is rapidly improving. And with, you know, looking at the stance of, you know, adding or opening up the pubs and clubs and things like that on the 4th of July, I think the clubs and, and cricket clubs and sports clubs need to start generating some revenue, revenue back into their, into their club. And, and I think, you know, club cricketers and, and senior cricketers would just love to get back on the park and play any form of cricket, whether that's a six-a-side, an eight-a-side, or you know, you know, playing a hundred balls, you know, an adapted game. But I think in the next, you know, 
two to four weeks, I think realistically we could be looking at getting back out and playing some cricket. Just changing tack slightly, David, uh, we've been talking about uh, ethnic minorities uh, within the professional game and there's much said about the um, the percentage that play the game recreationally um, as opposed to those that play it professionally. Uh, the point being that uh, the makeup of ethnic minority participation is around 30% in some quarters, whereas it makes up about 5% of the professional game. Um, you must uh, you must see this uh, every day within your job. What um, what reasons do you put forward for the reason that the whilst ethnic minorities make up such a large proportion of the, uh, the the recreational side of things, they don't seem to be making a step up to the professional game? Yeah, no, I think that's a really I think it's a really interesting point because you know we we work at the Institute of Cricket and Complete Cricket with you know hundreds of you know, children and adults that are from ethnic minorities, and and don't you know they are some of the most talented players and the most skillful cricketers that you will ever come across. You know, they they have a great work ethic, they they train hard, and you know they really want to become professional cricketers. So, you know, the, the honest answer is I don't I don't know the answer to that question. There's there's no reason why you know that that should be the case, um, and and hopefully you know going forwards we do see a change of uh, professional cricketers that are from ethnic minorities. Yeah, it is a bit of a strange one, isn't it? But um, yeah. with, we were just talking about Vikram Solanke being named head coach of Surrey. Obviously, he's been part and parcel of the Surrey system for uh, for quite a number of years. And uh, as Mark Butcher, who was joining us a few moments ago, was saying, um, you know, hopefully it will just be a case of um, the, the first of many. But essentially, it's uh, it's more about the uh, the talent and the ability of the coach himself rather than, you know, what his background is from. But um, just to wrap up, really, David, I suppose where we're standing now as a opposed to where we were a couple of weeks ago in terms of getting back to playing cricket. There's a lot more positivity, albeit just a, a touch of frustration that maybe with the, the situation across the country becoming noticeably uh, better, that uh, things can't be speeded up, speeded up a little in terms of getting people out there playing cricket. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the ECB are very much led by the government in terms of their timeframes of, of how quickly the the sport can return but every time I've come on the show I've tried to remain positive that there will be some form of cricket this year and you know my belief is that in in whatever shape that is we need to get these cricket grounds being used again and we need to get people thinking about cricket and and uh, loving cricket again because uh, a season without cricket would be devastating. That was uh, David Smith from the Institute of Cricket and that was Breaking the Boundaries with the Institute of Cricket. Breaking boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. You're listening to the uh, Cricket Collective with me, John Norman, Steve Harmison alongside me. And uh, we've been talking about captaincy throughout the show. Uh, One of uh, Harmy's uh, former teammates was particularly vocal. When isn't he, by the way? Here's (laughs) Kevin Peterson as a guest on Drive. The entertainers and the guys that... um have to carry that uh, carry that mantle in the team. Sometimes on sometimes aren't the best captains, and sometimes struggle with the extra added pressure because, as a player, you're looked at completely differently until that phone call comes and you're announced as a test captain. You get looked at completely differently. Responsibilities change, communication changes, uh, the way in which you um, carry yourself in the dressing room changes. It's a difficult place to be. And I struggled with it. I absolutely hated it and I was rubbish um, because I ha- you had to sort of change. You're like, goodness, I've now got to command 
the respect to the team and I've got to change and I'm, people look at you differently. And the, you, I mean, you you say something and it's frowned upon or you say something and people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a completely different story. So, so, so do I think I want to see Ben Stokes change from who he is and the current player that he is? Probably not. Joss Butler would be my guy. So there you go. Kevin Peterson saying... Don't give it to the entertainer. Give it to Joss Butler. <laughs> Typical Kev. Go on, Kevin. Oh, he never fails, does he, Kev? I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. You know, the, the, the guys who have got free spirit, just let them play. And I, I, and I fully understood what he was saying there, Kevin, about him. He, he puts himself down a bit. I actually think Kevin was a... V- tactically, when he's thinking about it, Kevin was a good captain. Kevin knew the game. You know, there's, there's this... You know, we all have a laugh and a joke with and, a, and, a, and around Kev. But to be fair, John, I've played for Kevin and he, he's captaincy. He knew the game inside out. Um, tactically, he was he was quite astute. He's quite aware. The thing that Kevin, I don't think, could get around was when he was trying to get people or ask people to do things and he couldn't understand why they couldn't do it. And it was like, Kevin, we're not as good as you. You are, you know, you are, you are this brilliant player who... That's the that, that's the side that he's probably talking about that he was rubbish at that he couldn't grasp the fact that things that he wanted people to do they couldn't do and it was like well why you just do it like this and he'd bang it and I and I remember him talking about playing spin uh, in India and it's like well why didn't you just sort of go down a wicket and just bob him over the mid wicket and it's like Kevin that's what you would do we're a bit we, us lot are a bit different we can't do that and I'm not sure he, he, he got his hand around that but when he said he wasn't he's a rubbish captain I, I disagree I thought he was I played for him in his first game as captain he brought me back and he had a decent tactical brain Kev and he knew the game um, he just that was the only the only downside of it um, and when he you have to think a lot of these a lot of these mavericks a lot of these free spirits the best thing to deal with them, and I think Michael Vall deal with them brilliantly, was just let them be. Let them be themselves. and Let them look after themselves. Own practice. Let them, you know, just let them freewheel as such. And when you're captain, you've got to worry about 10 other people. And you cannot freewheel. You cannot be that free spirit. And I think that was a little bit of a struggle for Kevin as well. But uh, typical comment of Kev, yeah, don't give it to a maverick. Give it to Joss Butler. Brilliant. <laughs> the thing is, though, a similar criticism was made by Graham Swan um, about giving the captaincy to Joe Root. Uh, and if you speak to some of the players that played with Joe Root before he became captain, you know, he's described as this kind of like, uh, you know, jack in a box kind of figure, heart of all the jokes, you know, a real kind of cheeky chappy. Yeah. And then suddenly he's the captain. And even now, I think possibly there are players in the dressing room who can't quite work out where the old Joe Root's gone. And maybe that actually is a problem when it comes to seeing him as a captain. John, I think everybody's like that. You could have said the same about Michael Vaughan. Michael Vaughan was one of the lads. He was part of that. It's a bit different, that Michael Vaughan unit, because like Butch mentioned before, Nasser is saying, let that captaincy go when it was the right time to do it because he's had such a, he had such a strong hold and telling people what to do and pushing and driving people's forward that there was this unit, strong unit. And all of a sudden we're going to take one out of that strong unit and put him as captain. And it was sink or swim time, uh, sink or swim time. And so I, I agree, but I think John, I think everybody's like that. You in the next 20 years, the next England captain is going to come from somebody and the first thing a former player will say, 
I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do because it might stifle his performance or it might it might sort of not make him the player he was. Everybody's the same. Probably the only player I've known and heard about in recent history, not recent history, or in history going back, in that respect, was Mike Braley. He's the only one I would say that you, when you look at it and you thought he wasn't the best player in the team, he wasn't the natural, well, look at him, he is a superstar, we'll make him captain. And I think... Because of that, that's potentially why it worked. It was the right time for Michael Athen to take the job. It was the right time for Nasser and Alex Stewart, Alistair, Alistair Cook. And it was it was Joe Root's time. And it will be for Rory Burns when it comes to his time. And whoever comes after that, whether it's Sibley, Crawley, young batters that are in there. So I just think it's always going to be mentioned. Is it going to stifle or is it going to enhance performance when we give you the job as England captain there's only one way to find out and that's giving them the job brilliant stuff uh, starting again I suppose you could call it start Dang. again is the name of Mark Butcher's new song do you see what I did there very good um, John uh, thank you very much that's why I get paid the big bucks now Harvey <laughs> thanks so much matey I'll be in touch it's great to be back in the same part of the world as you um, and we will be reunited alongside the Cricket Collective and we're only about three weeks away from the first Test match as well, getting underway. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. I'm John Norman, Steve Harmus alongside me. We have Mark Butcher and uh, we'll finish with Mark Butcher and his song from his new album and this is called Start Again. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 